Welcome back to episode two of our conversation with Jordan Rich. Please enjoy. We're talking about um, Jordan's book, My 50-Year Love Affair with Radio, which you can get anywhere, especially on Amazon. Order it. It's a great it's a great read. I love the part you're like, why would anybody want to read my life? You talked about... Um, Tom Brady writing his bio at 25. <laughs> I think he's I think he's done a few things since he was 25. We well, might yeah. want to read it again. But it's a it's a great read. Talk a lot about some of the celebrities you've um, interviewed. Ed, our friend Roy asked me to ask Jordan, right. sure. who was your favorite interview? That's not hard. I've got a few, but interestingly enough, two of them were nonagenarians in their 90s. One was Stan Lee of Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. who I just adored and he was the most affable sweetest wonderful guy the other one was the amazing carl reiner a comedy Mm -hmm. god and uh, i spent hours on more than one occasion with those guys and really had a great time i'll tell you a funny story i listed about 200 in the book there are hundreds more a former cousin of my wife well cousin of my late wife i saw him recently and he said hey I thought it was really great one day when you interviewed the Gucci Gucci girl, Charo. And I thought, did I do that? (laughs) And son of a gun, I did. And I totally forgot. How do you forget something like that? Right. (laughs) I must have been uh, hung over or something. Did all these people come through Boston or did you, were you on the road at all? I did a little bit of everything, Greg. Uh, Some would come into the studio. I remember the late, great comic Norm Crosby would he came in once with a couple of other comedians. Comedians are always up, so they'll come in anytime. <laughs> you know, Lenny <laughs> Clark, those guys are always up. Most of the stuff I did, a lot of it was pre-recorded because I couldn't get at 2 a.m. somebody from, say, the right. East Coast. But I would do pre-records, and I, w- I, I love producing and production, so I do that a lot. Of- and occasionally, I would go out. One time I went to the Kennedy Library for a sit-down with uh, Caroline Kennedy. And there was no other way to do it except to go there. Another time, uh, I met one of my all-time heroes, Roger Moore from 007 yeah. Land. Yeah. And that was another, you know, certain people, you just have to accommodate them, which is fine with me. So, yeah, a mix, a mix of styles. Well, Stan Lee is going to make Roy very happy since he's a huge Marvel fan. Yeah. I was going to say Roy was more excited about, ask him about William Shatner. Oh, well, I love Shatner. And I'll tell you, well, not a funny story, but an interesting story. Shatner is a machine. He's 90 years old. He's the hardest working man in show business. He never stops. I've interviewed him three times over the years, once in person. And the the middle time was, well, 20 years ago. And he had probably been on a, a media blitz where he did 15 or 18 or 30 interviews And he's answering the same questions over and he was really tired. It was on the phone and I could just tell it just went flat. So over the years, when I got a chance to meet him and talk to him again, I was just hoping and praying that one of my heroes would come through. And he did with flying colors, you know, 20 years later in his 80s. Uh, Star Trek is one of my passions, as most people know. So I got to meet and interview most all of the original series cast. Oh, wow. Most wow. all of them. And that was that was fun. Too bad they didn't have cell phones back there for the selfies. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a pina colada with Rupert Holmes? That's what I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I did interview Rupert. Uh, you probably yeah. saw the name in the list. Very funny man and very prolific. He's actually broadly known as a Broadway writer. He's terrific. And those are the kind of people that you don't often hear on radio. One of my favorites, 
was a guy that I never thought I would sit down with because of the crap he took because of the music he made. Kenny G. Do you know Kenny G? The yeah, the, sure. It's an alto sax or a tenor alto sax? sax or alto sax. smooth jazz, man. Yeah. And he turned out to be one of the finest guys and a very, very self-deprecating. And I said to him, I said, man, you must take a lot of grief from people who call it beautiful music and all that. And he was great. I mean, Kenny Rogers, I, I it goes on and on. I hmm. thinking of them now as I'm talking to you dudes. Yeah, the list at the end of your book is just incredible. I mean, Dick Van Dyke, but I listed him as characters too. I said, you've interviewed Freddy Krueger, yep. Mr. Cotter, <laughs> Moses, one of my favorite, Moses. Moses, yes. Moses, old, Moses. Uh, Charles Heston was, was a thrill. No, and, and uh, you know, the old expression, the bigger they are, the nicer they are, is pretty much true. Um, a very few uncomfortable experiences in my entire career, but really so many of them. Uh, I'll tell you one. This is interesting. It just dawned on me. You guys are bringing out all kinds of memories. You remember Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler on Oh, oh sure. He was a great impressionist, too. Oh, he yeah. was a brilliant impressionist. And uh, this is another example of, well, not prejudging, but, but having an experience that didn't go well and then having a much better one. At the North Shore Music Theater, which is home to you guys, right? Right. Back in, this is, goes back to my days at WRKO in the late 70s. So it was only 10 years or so out of Batman. He was doing a play or appearing, and I was just a kid. I was 21 years old, had a reel-to-reel or a small cassette recorder. Went up there, and I said, oh, Mr. Gorshin, it's, it's an honor to meet you, a big fan and, and all that. Tell me about when you did your first impression. And he looked at me, and he said, I'm an actor. I'm not an impressionist. It was the worst interview ever. And I had my tail between my legs. Flash forward 30 years, 30 years forward, he was playing a one-man show, George Burns, okay? <laughs> and he got a great, a, a lot of applause and accolades for that shortly before he died. And I interviewed him and he was terrific. And he didn't have any problem <laughs> because he was imitating somebody. He really was and he was <laughs> yeah. brilliant. So it, it it's interesting how people react and you have to give them some breathing room, I think, at some point. He might have had a bad day. He did the best Burt Lancaster, I think, of anybody. And Kirk Douglas. <laughs> he and Rich Little I used to watch all the time on oh, the Johnny yeah. Carson show. Yeah. Kirk Douglas was was amazing. Yeah, he, he was he had a rubber face, which is really important yeah. when you're doing impressions, you know. I have one more celebrity question because I, I read it too. How old was Mickey Rooney when he slid down the banister at the Wang Center? Uh, Mid-70s or so. Wow. <laughs> show was called Sugar Babies. Do you remember that? Yep. Did he make that movie too? And he was reprising Sugar Sugar Babies was an old, like 1930s or 40s yeah, movie. Yeah, it was an old vaudevillian kind of yeah. horse belty kind of thing. And it was really fun. And you know, it was in the show was Ann Miller, the great MGM dancer. Yeah. And uh, Harry, the night court judge, uh, who was a magician. He's oh, Harry, Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. Yep. So it was a really fun show. But Mickey Rooney was about the most insane human being I've ever met. <laughs> I have one more celebrity, uh, celebrity a comment question for you who you've interviewed. And I was a huge science fiction buff when I was growing up. I couldn't read enough. Isaac Asimov was, was my favorite. But you know, one of your interviews was Ray Bradbury. Yeah. How old was he when you when you interviewed he him? He was he was very old in his eighties and not well. Um, I did meet Asimov in high school. I escorted him to the auditorium and 
Uh, he was <laughs> doing, doing a, a talk, and of course, uh, half the kids didn't really know or care, but I thought, my God, this is the most prolific man on the planet. But Ray Bradbury, I worked with his daughter in setting up the interview, and because he was very hard of hearing, extremely hard of hearing, and I'll tie this in with one more story about a celebrity. He was extremely hard of hearing. I said, well, how can I accommodate that? This was a telephone interview. She said, is there any way you could send the questions in advance? And this is the only time I've ever done that. And I said, of, of course. So I sent the questions in advance. He was on the phone. He read the question and then he would give the answer. I then subsequently put my questions in afterwards. I did that because of amazing respect for this giant, this huge giant. The other guy, uh, two more quick things, the, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote 2001, mm -hmm. he was on the island in Indonesia somewhere. And we got him live on a Sunday night. And that was a thrill. And, you know, this is the guy who basically made movies come alive in 2001. But the other story, I think I read about him, I think is listed as Kirk Douglas at 102 years old. And he had had a stroke 20 years earlier or whatever, or 15 years. I got the only radio interview because the publicist knew me and thought I would be handling it sensitively and so forth. Well, we had a terrific time. He wrote a book of love poetry. That was his last book. And I did, I made sure I taped the interview and edited it so that he was audible and, you know, understandable. Right. And sent, he sent me a personal thank you note that I still have from Kirk, wow. Kirk Douglas Stationery. Wow. I mean, just a class act. So those are yeah. some of the, the favorite moments. It's always good to hear that and nice to hear that the people like, like you said, the bigger they are, the nicer they are, that that truly happens. Cause this day and age, all you hear is like, you know, this guy did this and he's a terrible person and don't, don't listen to his records anymore or whatever. But it's so nice to hear when people are, are just generally good people. And, but I also think you bring that out in them too, just the way you talk. I know you made me look like a good guy the first night I was there. So <laughs> I'm not even though you couldn't find the station. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know the back roads. I was a newbie. I, I gave him a triple A membership after that. He was all set. But yeah. uh, now, you know, it, it's true. Um, the way you treat someone um, oftentimes is, is the way they're going to treat your back. I'm not going to suggest that this is foolproof. There are times when as nice as I am and as, as conscientious of their situation, they're still in a bad mood, but that's okay. But for the most part, people are, uh, people are pretty generous. Uh, sitting in a room with someone who's been, in, on an interview tour on a junket, a movie person, and they're, you're the 15th guy that's going to sit there for five minutes and get some sound. Well, you, you have two choices. You can ask the same old question or you can try a different approach. So I try a different approach sometimes. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We won't talk about your green rune M&Ms that you always, you know, brown and red, the only two colors, <laughs> otherwise you'd throw a tantrum. So we'll, we'll leave that for next time. Yeah, that's the other side of Jordan. <laughs> so I know you left the nighttime and now you're doing some of your own podcasting which you fill the people in where they can hear you for now sure thank you um i've been loving my sort of renaissance um because of my experience in radio doing the kind of things we've been talking about the podcast world has has opened up like a flower and i'm able to dip my toe into a lot of different ponds so uh with the gentleman who's working with you. And I introduced you to Dan, Dan Tebow and my business partner, Ken, uh, we've been going gangbusters with podcasts. My own personal one is very simply 
on mic with Jordan Rich. It's available everywhere. And I have done pretty much what I did on the air, only it's on my time and and with the people I want to have on. So I've uh, got about 220 episodes in that range, and it's just fun as heck to pump them out every week. Yeah, and still doing voice work and teaching and uh, and occasionally asked to come out and and be the Ryan Seacrest, the cheap end of the Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> Never. No, no, no. <laughs> I met Dan at doing your pod. I did one of your first ones, I think. Yeah, the podcast. You did. That's where I you met Dan. When Candy on. was there because Dan works on candies. And yeah, that was well, great. We always put out candy when you're there. Right. Uh, Greg, because, you know, snacks. It's important. Oh, that candy. I'm sorry. Payday. Sorry. That's payday. right. If it's not a payday, I'm not coming <laughs> if in. It's a payday. <laughs> you're just a cross between Ryan Seacrest and Chucky Green. Well, I thought you were going to say Jackie Mason. Uh, we just lost Jackie Mason. No, may he rest Out in of peace. respect, this is the week that Jackie passed. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it takes a schmuck like you to take an apartment. I've memorized his entire uh, The World According to Jackie Mason routine, the entire thing. Wow. We won't do it tonight, but someday. <laughs> That'll be part two of the podcast. <laughs> You're going to do Love Lines with Dana as Jackie Mason. That would be love letters, but that's okay, Greg. Love letters. <laughs> <laughs> love lines is what people buy when I put the program together for the show. <laughs> there was a game show, Love Lines. I'm going to look it up. Just, Wasn't that Chuck Woolery? I think. Yes, it was. Like, See, Love Lines with Chuck Woolery. Thank you for saving me, Jordan. As my usual. pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> but uh, you're also doing, a, aren't you doing lunch uh, podcasts or yes, vlogs? Uh, I don't know what they're called, actually, anymore. Well, uh, Facebook Live, and it's every when, every other Wednesday, for the most part, Dan. Dan is the genius. I keep touting him because he's so sharp and he works so hard. Dan is the sort of sidekick. And more important than that, he produces the whole thing. And I have an opportunity. And you guys will definitely be guests in the near future because uh, we want to have you positioned probably when uh, you're going to do another show and we'll, we'll have you on to promote it. But it's great because you might get a 500 people live watching it, but then you get thousands in the in the reruns, you know, and uh, mm. last week we had Loretta LaRoche, who's yep. a pistol and so much fun. So it's, it's as close to doing a live television show as you can get without having to, you know, have the cameras and all the nonsense. So it's really fun. It's really great. Yeah. yeah they've been great. Yeah. I think Loretta has done North Shore music theater a few times. Oh yeah. She's, she's amazing. She was great. And uh, we've had others, uh, um, musicians and non, and uh, it's 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 been a kick. It's been really fun. Yeah, you're busier than ever. <laughs> they say retirement is is quiet time. I mean, all I did was give up the the weekend late night thing that I that consumed me and I loved. But busier than ever. Why not? Yeah, retirement is what you actually get to do when you don't have to go to work for a living. You're absolutely right. I said earlier how curious I am. I'm more curious now than ever about a whole bunch of things because I have a little more little more time. Mm. And uh, you saw the stack of books that I'm going through. And yeah, it's just great. Just awesome. Well, now that you have all that time and you know you do have this theater bug, what is the one role at this point in your life that you would love to do on the boards? I That's, that's a great question. I always wanted to play George M. Cohan. And I have to learn how to dance first. <laughs> no, you don't. You sh- you've seen Ed and I on stage. You don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I would also love a shot at, at Harold Hill because when I was in high school, I I was in the chorus and the quartet. In the quartet. 
barbershop quartet, but I memorized every line of Harold Hill because I think he's one of my favorite characters. I don't know. Uh, actually, uh, one of the things that I can just tell you guys is that starting now, I guess I'm starting to work on it. I'm developing a, uh, a one-man show of, of a sort that'll be based partly on the book and some of my experiences, but really about radio. Working title is Radio Nights, not to be confused with Radio Days. <laughs> and the goal is to have a show that's multimedia, that'll just be me playing different parts of me and people in the biz. So that's what I'm working on, my own wow, that's play. that's fantastic. Because nobody will hire me, so why not? <laughs> well, you got to self-produce. There nobody you go. will cast me. Yeah, we did our first uh, radio show at Halloween last year since we couldn't perform. Yeah, we built that studio that we uh, got a grant for. We did Arsicanal Lace, and it, it was fantastic. We're thinking about doing it again. I was honored to be to play the announcer in there, and I, I radio is still magical. I mean, what we're doing now, this podcast, people are imagining, you know, the the environs and how it looks and all that. Mm. Actually, I must say, Greg has got a great backdrop. Uh, <laughs> he's got all the shows, right? All the posters yep. from yep. Voices of Hope. And Ed, what do you have? Bowling trophies? What the hell is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are all of the programs from every single show we've ever done. Oh, I, can, I just can't see that far because of my eyesight. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's fantastic. Look at that. Yeah. That is really This is cool. actually a quilt from every t-shirt from every show that yeah. my friend oh. Diane Early made for me. It's it's gorgeous. That is terrific, guys. That is great. Yeah, so we're, we're thinking of doing another a Halloween radio style show again so we'll have to be chatting um we're, i would love to do war of the worlds i love that oh, show yeah. and i think it would be fun we have the capacity we have the studio right. we've got you know just uh, and we've got time on our hands still because we're yep. not doing a live show yet we've actually done that together greg we did we did that was at the litter theater up in the show <laughs> like love letters not love line like love letters war of the worlds is one of the best sh- shows to do on stage because you're actually reading the real script so you don't have to learn the lines yeah well that's the nice thing about radio plays isn't it and it's, yep. it's great um i've done a lot of them over the years and uh it, it you know what it is it's it's corny to say this but it's the imagination that is kind of stilted now in a lot of ways because of everything being in your face uh, somebody went to an Angels game, they were telling me the other night in Anaheim, and said it's like being in the middle of a video game. You just over-sensitized, yeah. as opposed to going to, say, Fenway, where you guys have performed many times. Yep. Uh, that's a different experience. I think the beauty of the, the sound and the audio, which is why I do what I do, and you guys are doing this now, is the imagination. Yep. Yeah. One of my favorite movies is uh, Woody Allen's Radio Days. And my favorite my favorite part, and it cracks me up every time, is when the wife yells at the guy. He goes, he's a ventriloquist on the radio. How do you know he's not moving his lips? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, my favorite, it's my favorite scene. I love that. Hawk, I hear the cannons roar. Right? Hawk, I hear the cannons roar. <laughs> Actually, my favorite thing in high school was um, Robert Desiderio did a radio show at midnight on WCOZ 94.5. Yeah. It was the Hour of the Wolf matinee. And he would just do, he would create his own own sounds, his own characters, but he would also play old sci-fi radio shows. Oh. It was just incredible. Now Robert Desiderio has his own, you know. Oh, he's gone on to do great things. Yeah. Uh, do you know uh, my dear friend Jerry Goodwin, the Duke of Madness, was also BCN, and he's a dear friend, and he used to create characters and bits. And you talk about that, Jess Kane, these are legends yeah. in Boston, the great Norm Nathan, who was a mentor. 
they just did it with it's magic. They didn't have to build a set. They didn't have to put on a wig. They just did mm-hmm. it with their voices. So, uh, yeah, that's that's why we do what we do. It's yeah. so much fun. You got to interview one of my my all time heroes, Garrison Keillor. I grew up listening to uh, Prairie Home Companion hour i saw he was in your book too and uh, yeah. I, I actually got to meet him a couple of years ago he did a uh, one-man act at the cabot up in beverly and i actually got to meet him and just for like a minute and it was just like it's garrison keeler i mean yeah <laughs> he was our voice in the midwest when we were listening to radio we always look forward to his uh the hometown. people the What's that? What, what, what's the powder milk biscuits yes powder milk biscuits <laughs> shy people that which they need to get Guy Noir. Robin Williams was on his show, but the singer. So every time he gets Robin Williams, I'm like, oh, it's going to be comedy. And it's Robin <laughs> Williams, the singer. I'm like, oh, OK. But- well, you're from the Midwest. And uh, I think some of our greatest rock on tours, you know, Johnny Carson, obviously. And but my favorite person on the planet has got to be Dick Cavett. Yeah. Mm. He's still at this point such the Renaissance man, having interviewed people like uh, Groucho, you know, it's uh, Dick Cavett. And I, I've had him. Uh, interviewed him several times and just a fascinating human being, you know, so bright and witty and urbane and goofy. That's why I like him. You guys in the Midwest are goofy. (laughs) Yes, we are. We are very goofy. I can attest to that. I just drove out there and drove back through the Midwest. I can tell you a lot of goofy people. And if you go to Canada, (laughs) you're goofy. Uh, (laughs) Goofy. Yeah. You betcha. Not as many jokes as I thought we'd have, but we'll, we'll end with that one. Okay. <laughs> Was that a joke? I don't know. I might have been. Not I don't know. really. No. <laughs> but I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of, uh, I was a little intimidated in interviewing the guy who's interviewed me for the last 10 years and continues to do so. You still going to give us uh, airtime on BZ and the Absolutely. weekend, New England weekend on BZ. And, and when we got things coming up, I can truly appreciate all the time that you give us. All the love that you give us, um, we give it back tenfold for everything you've done for us for the past 10 years, mm-hmm. introducing us to people we never would have met, teaching us this medium, how to uh, market ourselves a little bit better, mm-hmm. introducing me to Dan, mm-hmm. That's right. who uh, has guided us through our little podcast minefield that we're doing now. Yep. Like I said, you've been in everybody's homes for the past 50 years, but mm-hmm. we're so glad you joined our home. So we're very happy to have you with us. Which would have made me the greatest cat burglar in the history of crime. Yes. Oh, and I can't go without saying that I became my wife's mother's hero because I was friends with Jordan Rich. That's right. She was your biggest fan. Man. I'll I'll close with this. I say to my wife, Roberta, I say, uh, you, now you don't have to worry. I have a lot of rabid fans, but I can still at my age outrun them because most of them are, you know, walker driven and uh, <laughs> yeah. have a little arthritis. No, actually, I love I love the the seniors, and I they're they're the most loyal audience. We wouldn't have any radio audience without them. She That's gets right. so excited when you fill in for Dan Ray. She goes, "Jordan's on Dan Ray tonight." Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you very thank much, you Jordan. So your much, your Jordan. friendship and all your professionalism when you're doing our shows and when we're just coming on your show, it, we can't thank you enough for uh, being a part of our family, and we can't wait to have you back on our stage. We're going to be, uh, I can't reveal the show we're doing this spring, but we'll talk to you about it. And uh, you never know, maybe there's an announcer role. I don't, I don't remember if there's something we might be able to put you in so you can get back on the boards for a little bit. Right. You know, Dana creates. Yeah. 
Dana, yes. Dana Guys, thank you. This was a, a coot. I really love uh, having the tables turned and with such good friends. It was great. Thank you. Thank you very thank you, much. George. Ed, thank you again for another great uh, podcast. Yep, you too. We'll be back next week with another guest. I just want people to know to go to vohboston.org to check us out and see what we do. We raise money for cancer research through our theatrical performances for the Tamir Center for Targeted Therapies at the Mass General Cancer Center. This year and last year, we've not been able to do our live events. So anything you can do to support us through a donation, vohboston.org, up in the right-hand corner of your screen, just click donate. One buck, five bucks, 10 bucks. It all helps. Or that million that comes in every once in a while. That's right. We would love to have. So again, thank you, Ed. Thank you, Dan, for your thank engineering you, skills tonight. Dan. Through the thunderstorms. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, again, thank you for being a, a guest. And uh, we will see you soon. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.